Why you have to go and make things so complicated? I'm mum. Your mom. That's too confusing for a baby, though, so we need something more differentiated, and we talked about this, and you were fine with mama. Yeah, mama. Fine, so call yourself that. The shortness. It doesn't matter what it's It doesn't matter what it's short for. You should be calling yourself mama, and that's it. Nothing else for now. What do you call yourself? Mom. No, you don't. Yes, I do. Okay, so I just... I just told her, I said, come to mom, and that's not acceptable? No! Why? Because it's too similar to mom for a little baby. It sounds the same. Are you calling our baby stupid? Yes! I just think it needs to be a little bit more different. And and we agreed to mom. Okay, so if she says, when she says mom, she's talking to me. (laughs) I don't care what she says. I'm talking about when she goes, mom, 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 it's going to be me. Fine. (laughs) If you are referring to yourself, you should always call yourself mama. Can you agree to that? Mama? Yes. And I will call myself mom. And that is it. When what? I refer to you, I'll refer to you as mama, and, and I refer to I myself refer to as you, mom. I'll call you garbage fire. <laughs> Do you want to go see garbage fire? <laughs> I can't talk when to does you. garbage fire get home? Huh, baby? Why are you leaving the room? Oh, Angie and Jackie sitting on a tree. K I S S I N G. First came love, then came marriage, then came the baby and love. Step one, find some spark. That guy? Or this guy? Well, he works at a law firm. Step two, you gotta stick it in you. IUI, IVF, OMG, WCF. Step three, obsess a lot. I'm gonna pee on this stick and I'm gonna watch the clock. Okay. Step four, repeat the first three. I can't wait until we have a baby. The Baby Mama's Podcast. Welcome back, everybody. It's finally episode 41 of The Baby Mama's. We're such bad podcasters, but we're really good moms. <laughs> yeah, that's what that means, right? And we're also probably not the best um, housekeepers either. A lot has happened. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know where to start. The last um, uh, episode, we had just gotten back from Australia. We updated you on that. That was the end of November, and it's it's February. Yeah, it's February. Oh, so we had Christmas. Crap. Yeah. How was Christmas? Christmas was nice. It was quiet. We were both sick. Kind of leading up to it, so... I wasn't sick leading up to it. I got sick on Christmas Day. I had mastitis. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. I didn't have it as bad as some people get it, but it's when, like, one of your milk ducts gets blocked in your boob and, uh... In your boob? In your boob. I think people know where the milk ducts are. Well, I don't want them to get confused with the milk ducts that are in my butthole. <laughs> right. So at about 8 p.m., you started getting really fevery, really cold, you weren't feeling well... Yeah, and so I just went to bed with the baby, and I was worried about smothering her because I was wearing a onesie that we all, we had matching family onesies that were red. That was my, like, dream. I was like, yes, when we're family, we'll wear matching pajamas every Christmas, and it will be amazing. However, if you have the same dream, before you buy, realize that polyester is a terrible idea. I thought they were flannel. They were like fuzzy, but I think they were made out of polyester and not cotton, so they did not breathe. They were very, it was a very warm warm. situation up in there. Yeah. So I was wearing that, and then I had a sweater on, and then I had a really thick robe. 
And the covers. Because I and was... And an extra blanket that was doubled over. <laughs> and I was trying to, like, keep Sterling close to me because that's where she likes to be. But then also not so close that, like, my... Whatever I was wearing was going to smother her. Yeah, because she usually sleeps in a t-shirt and that's it, so... Yeah, and, she, and Sterling likes to turn into me she likes to burrow into your body so i was like half asleep kept waking up being like oh the baby oh my god i feel terrible but it passed fairly quickly it did but it was like basically it was like having a 48 hour flu kind of thing yeah but it started like right when christmas dinner was pretty much going yeah (laughs) it's hard oh my god and then the next day i was just like can i not have a baby just for today (laughs) can somebody just take this thing and feed it and take care of it for me totally so I, I was to. completely exhausted and yeah. I didn't don't even think we changed her out of her pajamas <laughs> we're like you're just in your pajamas all day yeah because you were sick yeah. and then I was just out of it yeah. yeah but we made everyone come to us yeah which was nice honestly it was like so much more relaxing for us because Sterling was home and like everybody came everybody was there at some point throughout the day so we had lots of visitors and it was kind of low-key but it was still it was still really nice. Mm-hmm. And my dad came. That's the first time that I've spent Christmas with my dad since probably before my parents got divorced. And they divorced when I was 10. So like over 20 years ago. Yeah. Wow. And he stayed the whole day. Yeah, he did. He was great. He stayed for dinner. Mm-hmm. And the part that like kind of made me sad for him was that he was like, oh, I haven't had a family dinner like this in a really long time. I was like, you're always welcome. I mean, he... My family's really loud and overbearing. Shocker, I know. But he seemed to do well with them, even though he was just kind of quiet. Yeah. I was surprised. I thought that he would want to leave. He seemed to get on the best with my grandma, actually. They chatted a lot, which was nice. Yeah. But Sterling was great. Like, she was really kind of upbeat and happy, and she didn't make a huge fuss. No, she didn't really make strange with anybody. She kind of, like, spent time with everyone and everyone obviously was really excited to see her so that was really nice it was really nice to have everyone here and have a nice dinner and like you know it was I was a little stressed out because I was like running back and forth from the bedroom being like is she okay she's not okay okay who what you need what help what do you need from me right now like everybody I felt like everybody was asking me for things all at once but yeah I was also trying to pump to get to clear the duct yeah so I needed you to come in and out of the room to like give me bottles and all this other stuff yeah it was and basically at that point I think we realized that the pump just isn't effective on you anymore. No. I mean, I don't know if it would work now. I don't know if it would work now. I mean, you were doing it while you were blocked. Yeah. It would probably be a good idea to try. But Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But I wanted to talk about co-sleeping. Because I don't think we've touched on the fact that we've chosen to co-sleep, and I feel like a lot of people, or I know a lot of people, have a hard time making that decision. Yeah, I feel like everybody we've talked to has been like, kind of you kind of like people new parents sort of dance around it like oh so like is baby in a bassinet it's like no they sleep in our bed because it makes the most sense yeah so our original plan i don't know if we ever talked about this but our original plan was to have her in like like a sidecar like a sidecar co-sleeper that's right against the bed so that i can like lean over feed her and put her back but she's not in the bed so that we still have the freedom to roll around or you know steamroll each other as we do every night (laughs) play little monkeys in the bed and you know all that kind of stuff oh yeah yeah our favorite pastime (laughs) but after the birth like the night the very first night Mm -hmm. when it was like okay now go to sleep we were terrified it didn't make any sense right then and there to be like oh yeah i'm just gonna put her by herself yeah she's been held 
from the moment she was born by somebody and she was inside me yeah for nine months i think i think it's funny because before you have a baby you don't really think about it in the same sense like you don't really think about the fact that like this little person lived inside of a body next to a heart next to organs next to warmth and feeling you move every time you move. Hearing you talk, hearing like hearing you breathe, hearing your heart, like all of that stuff. And then to just like put it somewhere else is ridiculous. That baby doesn't want to be anywhere but on you. And we quickly realized like, oh no, that's not going to work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she doesn't want to be put down. We don't actually want her to be, we don't want to put her down at that point. She was so new and little and needed us and you know we're still bonding and all that stuff so I think yeah and it would just seem so ridiculous to even think about and I wanted to know that she was breathing Mm -hmm. because that was my biggest thing I was like oh she's just gonna stop breathing so I think the first time that I actually tried to sleep with her we had we ended up getting this piggle this piggle (laughs) we got a piggle guys Mm -hmm. we ended up getting a pillow called a snuggle me Mm -hmm. from the internet and it how do you describe it? It's just, it's like a it's pillow. It's basically like in- a pillow with a big indent in the middle. It almost looks like a bar of soap, like the shape of a bar of soap with a little like indent so that it would just sort of hug the baby. You couldn't really roll over her because there's these little like bolster sort of things on the sides, but, but there's also not- no crevices for her to get her yeah. face stuck in and then suffocate and die. Yeah. So we had that thinking like, perfect, she'll sleep in that. And I know a lot of people here, at least I know, I guess I shouldn't say a lot, but a handful of people who use the Docatot, which I, you, I can, th- you can get from some stores in the Lower Mainland. Yeah, the Docatot's from the UK, and I feel like that one has crevices. It seems a little more crevicey, but yeah. it's still, yeah, that was the thing that we really liked about the Snuggle Me. There was no, there's no crevices. It's like one continuous piece. Mm-hmm. I don't really know how to, you just, just look it up. Google it. <laughs> yeah. We got the Snuggle Me and... We put her in it the first night. I slept with my thumb hooked into her diaper up against her mm-hmm. her tummy. Yeah, you were really worried that she was going to stop breathing. So I could feel her stomach as she was breathing going in and out. Mm-hmm. She didn't actually like being in that too much. She would wake up a lot. Yeah, she wanted to be... She literally just like didn't want to be anywhere but on you. Yeah. So then I ended up sleeping with... Her, like basically holding her. Mm-hmm. So I would put two pillows on either side of me with my arms on them mm-hmm. and then she would it's just basically like how you would hold a baby how would you cradle up, a baby yeah how you yeah and then I would lay down yeah having those pillows holding my arms up and she couldn't go anywhere if she was going to roll over she would have to somehow roll up over my face mm-hmm. or over my arms which would be quite difficult for her which would be even with like because that's the thing. People are like, oh, newborns can't roll. Not intentionally. Yeah. <laughs> they can jerk their bodies around and accidentally kind of flip themselves. But even that would have been impossible the way we mm-hmm. had her sleeping. And, and really, like, it makes... It's, it's so frustrating because you know, like, intuitively, of course that makes sense. Why wouldn't that make sense? How else were babies and mothers and nursing mothers sleeping for centuries during the survival of our species. But now we have science that tells us that, oh, it's not safe. But the problem is that a lot of the science is talking about unsafe co-sleeping. There's lots of ways you can co-sleep that are not safe. You should never, ever co-sleep if you've been drinking, using any kind of... Um, sleeping medication. Sleeping medication, if you've been smoking pot, if like anything, anything that... Smoking would, cigarettes? Yeah, even cigarettes. Cigarette smoke is really bad for risk of SIDS, so... That's a big one, but like anything that would inebriate you or otherwise impair you, you should not be sleeping in a, in a bed with a baby. But the other thing that I think a lot of people don't realize is that 
a nursing mother is not sleeping the same way as a regular person. So Angie, when the baby was first born, wasn't getting into as deep of a sleep. It's just, it's not because she's a new mom and she's nervous. It's just like physiological. Your body just won't let you because of the hormones in your system. So you're like hyper aware of what's happening with your baby next to you. Whereas for me, I would fall asleep and not even realize that baby was like waking up in the middle of the night until Ange woke me up. And I'd be like, oh, what? Like I had no idea what was going on. Yeah. It was the best way I can describe it is how you sleep on an airplane where you're like, you're not really getting into a deep sleep. You're still aware that you're on a plane and that you're kind of uncomfortable. And, and that there's like people around yeah, you. Yeah, and that and stuff is happening and that it's not, you know, you're not just like out of it and then you wake up. Well, at least I don't yeah. wake up and suddenly I'm like, oh, am I my destination? What a comfortable sleep I had. So a lot of people will say like, and like the facts do support that it's not safe for us, for the partner to be in the bed with the baby. So the technically the baby's supposed to be, the, I think the ideal for co-sleeping, the safest, is like obviously no covers, nothing around their face, no like loose clothing or anything that can get bunched up around them. The bed sheet needs to be really tight. Technically, they want you to have the bed up against the wall and the nursing parent, so the baby's between the wall and the nursing parent, and make sure that there's no crevice that, yeah. that the, the baby can fall into. And we chose not to do that because our room doesn't really have the right shape for it. Plus, I don't move. <laughs> like I fall asleep facing the outside of the bed on the very edge and I wake up that way. Yeah. So like I don't move, so there's really no risk of me rolling over the baby. Plus, Angie sleeps with her arms and legs out. So if I were to in the odd occasion roll, I would hit her, not the baby. So Yeah, I kind of create I don't know what you'd call it. You just are like a C shape around her. Yeah, I'm like a C inside. shape and she's in my arm with my like my legs are out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But also we didn't push the bed up against the wall because our bed moves really easily. We have a wood mm-hmm. bed frame. Mm-hmm. And it's just super easy to like slide around. So I was worried that someone would move and it would slide out from the wall and then the baby would get stuck in a crevice. Yeah. But some people, when we started going to our postpartum group, one person mentioned, oh, we started co-sleeping. And everyone was like, oh, you're co-sleeping. Oh, we are too. And it was like they felt unsafe yeah, like, saying that yeah, they were co-sleeping. Because everyone like needed permission to admit that we're all fucking doing it. Yeah. Because it's easier. Like... To actually, I can't even imagine, like now, so Sterling is five months today. I cannot imagine for the last five months you having to get up, go get the baby, come back to bed, feed her, get up, or whatever the case may be. Like I know, so a lot of people will get up, go get their baby, feed them in like a chair. They have to finish feeding them and some people, I mean, I don't know, I guess we're lucky or something. I don't, there's lots of things we can talk about when it comes to this, but lucky enough that Sterling doesn't eat for very long. She's not one of those kids that needs to feed for 45 minutes. She feeds for like five and she's like super efficient, done. Yeah. So to do all that, you're super awake and Ange is a terrible sleeper already. So on top of that, having like being a new mom sleeping, you would never sleep. You would never sleep if you had to wake up that much. This way, she would just, the baby would barely make a sound. Angie would wake up, put her boob in her mouth, and then they would both fall asleep. Like it was, it was so, it's so much simpler. And I think a lot of places are taking a lot, a lot of like people who are instructive about sleep safety, even books and author, authors and doctors and like educators, all sorts of people now are starting to talk about it. But there's sort of this idea, like people will still say, well, the, you know, the Canadian Pediatric Association says it's not safe, but, but a lot of people are taking the approach of like, People are doing it, so why don't we talk about how to do it safely instead of just saying, don't do it, because that's stupid. Yeah, our midwife said that as well. She said she likes to think of it 
treating it like safe sex. Like, rather than teaching abstinence, because no one's going to be abstinent, teach mm-hmm. safe sex. Rather than teaching don't co-sleep, people are going to fucking co-sleep because it's easier. So teach how to do it safer. Yeah, and, and you really, I think this is, I mean, I don't feel like a broken record, but this is why you have to be informed about these things because you can read so many different sources and think, oh, the Canadian Pediatric Association says it's not safe or the American Pediatric, whatever. But what they're talking about in a lot of those cases, the people that are doing it unsafely. So the sort of like bad apple spoils the bunch is kind of the consensus at this point that if you're not doing it safely yeah it's not safe because you're not doing it you're not taking the precautions you need to Mm -hmm. but if you are it's the best thing you can do for your family it's so it it's there's like so much intimacy involved in it and it just makes everybody's life easier everyone sleeps better i mean some i've heard some people say they don't sleep well that way some it's not necessarily the right choice for everybody but you shouldn't avoid making that choice out of fear Mm -hmm. and i think that's a lot of a lot that's the case for a lot of things that you have to make decisions about when you're a new parent yeah totally because it is scary because you're like oh my god this person who i've been waiting for who i'm so excited to have in my life what if i don't do my job right and they die it's terrifying yeah and you're you're putting yourself into a state of not being conscious around a helpless infant so that's scary yeah but the thing with the pediatric society is that they're also going to err on the side of extreme caution. Mm-hmm. They'd rather tell you not to do something. To, Even if there's the tiniest bit of risk. Yeah, because if they say, yeah, do it, and then a bunch of people end up killing their babies, that's going to come back to bite them in the ass. But the other thing that happened, because they were saying this, is that people were terrified of sleeping with their babies, so they'd get up, go onto the couch to feed the baby in the middle of the night, and then fall asleep, and then the baby would fall into the couch crevice and fucking die. Like. Yeah. People were dying, babies were dying because of the avoidance of co-sleeping because because they were scared and it created even more dangerous situations. Yeah. So now what they've said is get up, get your baby, and then go feed them in a bed. But don't fall asleep and don't sleep with them. Mm-hmm. Feed them in the bed in case you fall asleep because it's safer than falling asleep in a chair or on the couch. Yeah. But then make sure that you wake up and go put them back in their crib. It's really ridiculous. It's, it's like such a workaround yeah. to just be like, just fucking sleep with your kid and be safe about it. Yeah. So, I mean, I think a lot of people we know have done it. A lot of people, a lot of new mothers do it because it's just better. And they feel shameful about it and they shouldn't. It sucks to be like having to say, and every time anyone asks us, oh, she's not still sleeping with you. She, oh yeah, yeah, we all sleep. How do you guys sleep? We sleep great. We do. I mean, Sterling still wakes up, what, three, four, five times a night mm-hmm. to feed, but you barely even know what's happening. <laughs> like, I've asked Ange, like, how many times you, I, I don't, I, maybe three? I, I'm not sure. Like, you're barely conscious because you don't have to be. And it's easier now, and it's a little, like, less stressful now because she's five months. So, like, the biggest risk of SIDS is between two and four months. So we're kind of over the the scariest part. There's she's also risk. like bigger and she can move her head. She has control of herself and like, she can kick. Oh yeah. my God. So I, I know that if something were to bug her, she's not just going to be like, I just came out of the womb and I don't know that I'm about to die. She'll be like, what the fuck? And yeah. start to scream. And do you feel like over time as she's got gotten older, you are able to sleep deeper and better? Yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you still have times where you wake up to, to feed her and then you're awake for several hours because that's just you. Yeah. And that would have happened before you had a baby. If you got woken up, you just, that's it. Mm-hmm. You're fucked for a few hours. Yeah. But that whole idea of like sleep when the baby sleeps, such a load of crap. No. I mean, do your best to do that when your baby's brand new, but in life, that's really hard to do. It is. And I found that 
the sleep when the baby sleeps, it's like, I don't want to. Mm -hmm. I didn't at the beginning. I was like, no, because that's like the time that I have for myself. (laughs) That's when I can shower and like have a sandwich. (laughs) Yeah. Or even just like stare at the wall without Mm -hmm. having to. (laughs) It's okay. (laughs) Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And also I think that, I mean, I think a lot of people think co-sleeping is the best choice until about six months and then they're like, oh, the baby needs to be in their own bed. I don't think that's something that's a priority for us. I think I'm okay with her uh, in our bed until she's one. Me too. That's kind of where I'm thinking, but it also like depends on what she's like. Yeah, that's the thing. Do what is best for you and your family. If it's awesome that your kid at day one sleeps by themselves and you guys all sleep wonderfully, then do it. But don't put them in a different room. That's like a safety measure. Your baby needs to be in the same room as you for six months. That's up to six months. That's like... Yeah. Everybody pretty much agrees about that. Yeah. That decreases the chance of SIDS massively. So always have them in your room. But yeah, if they're better in a sidecar or if that works better for you, do that. But don't be afraid to tell people to be open about what you're doing because... And and I mean, it's hard because you like... I've heard people have said to me, oh, it's like not safe for you to be in the bed. And I'm like, I know like technically for the partner, it's not as safe because she sleeps between us. But for us, it actually is. We've thought this out. We've gamed it out. We've taken other precautions. Um, And I think it's important to remember that like sometimes the information you're getting is just judgment and sometimes it's actually helpful. Mm -hmm. It's hard, I think, when you're a new parent because everybody, oh, I don't, I was not prepared for the, like I, you hear about it, about everyone giving you advice and everyone having an opinion and you kind of think you know what you're expecting to happen, but I was still not prepared for the onslaught of like everyone telling us what to do. I'm proud of the decisions we've made because we've come to them in a way that we know what we're talking about. So I don't feel shame when someone says, oh, ABC. Then you can go, actually, this is what the research says, and we've looked into it, and the best experts and the best science shows this, or, you know, whatever. I feel confident in in our decision-making, whereas I've seen other parents who aren't, and you can see them talking about things like co-sleeping or whatever it is, and you can see them sort of get like a little bit ashamed and they're mm-hmm. kind of like, oh, I don't know. Mm-hmm. What should I say? What? Maybe I'm wrong. I shouldn't say what I'm doing. And mm-hmm. and that sucks. That's a sucky feeling. Like, I don't think we've actually had that feeling, which is nice. And I think just that's the nature of who we are. We really like to be informed. We really like to like do our research on things. But, um, but I think that also comes with the fact that we were looking, we were waiting and preparing for her for so long. Yeah. Another discussion that we had over Christmas was Santa. Mm. <laughs> Jackie and I are have very different opinions about what we should do about the Santa thing. Can I say that n- most people agree with me? And Oh, wait. Spoiler alert. Santa's not real. Oh, God. If you don't know that already, I don't know why you're listening to our podcast. <laughs> um, or your parents did some crazy ninja shit up to you <laughs> to make you still believe. So Angie has a hard time with lying. To our child. Okay, let me say my piece. Okay, go ahead. Number one. You have the floor, madame. I have a hard time imagining my kid coming up and asking me questions about Santa and me just like flat out making shit up because I want to raise children who seek out information, who want to have a lot of critical thought, Mm -hmm. who aren't really like gullible Mm -hmm. I want kids to be like why 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 constantly Mm -hmm. and so I feel like that is like diametrically opposed I think I feel like lying about Santa is 
and be, and them coming up and being like, but how does Santa get down the chimney? Because he would be too big. I want to be like, yes, you're right. He will be too big. So what does that mean? Well, he's not real. Exactly. That's where I want to go. I don't want to go, well, he has a magic dust that he uh, puts in and he squeezes him. Like, also, kids trust us to tell them the truth. Mm-hmm. And so if they're coming to you asking they, no, questions. No, no, no. They trust us to protect them and to do what's best for them. That doesn't always mean telling the truth. Kids will walk in on you when you're having sex. What are you going to say? That's different. It's not. It's it is. the same premise of the fact that we have to lie to kids sometimes. It's it's part of being a parent. But you don't have to lie about Santa. That's not something that You don't have to, but you here's here's the this is something people need to know is that Angie didn't have this magical experience of Santa because her parents didn't do that for her. They were too messed up for that. So you don't even remember believing in Santa. Yeah, and I'm not... And my point of view is that you're depriving our... You want to deprive our child, which I'm, I'm going to put my foot down and not let you do this, of this magical experience that it doesn't have to mean we've... Because ask, ask everyone you know, and people please write in and tell us about this yourselves. Did you feel completely disillusioned when you found out Santa wasn't real? Did you feel like your parents had lied to you and you could never trust them again? Did you think that that nothing your parents had ever told you was true anymore? No, that's not. That's but not then, even the what reason. is the problem? I feel like what it's doing is it's shutting down part of their their critical thinking. That's not based on anything realistic, though. You're not basing that on facts. That's just what you think. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not. That's like not. It's isn't it the same thing? that happens to your brain when your parents just have God as an answer for everything. No, Why because, this guy because you grow God out of God. that. You grow out of Santa. You eventually, and it, and it can be a critical thought thing that brings them to the point of being like, hey, wait a minute, listen. I've seen, X, the writing is the same. And like, you know what I mean? It can be a, a critical thought experiment where they come to it on their own. You help them think critically about it when they figure it out. But do you, do you really want our kid, our beautiful baby, to be that kid at school that's like, Santa's not real, my parents don't tell me about this bullshit, and every <laughs> other kid being destroyed, like what, the, the alternatives to tell her, oh, Santa doesn't exist, we don't do that, don't tell any of your friends because they believe in this magical fun no. experience that you don't get to have. No, what one of our friends is doing is they're, they're saying some people believe in Santa. I personally don't, and I've never seen Santa, but some people believe that they have. And this is what they believe. They believe that he does A, B, C, and D. And so it You want to say that to a two-year-old? Yeah. Just it's the same way that I would explain, like, okay, my dad for Christmas gave uh, Sterling a bear. It's not. A teddy bear. It's not the same. And it says, Jesus loves you on the foot. Uh And so when she gets old enough, she's like, who's Jesus? Why do they love me? Then I can explain. Some people believe that Jesus. Some people believe in Jesus for their entire life. Almost no people believe in Santa for more than five, six, seven years. Almost no people. So it's not the same as religion because you're not being told, believe it, never question it, never, ever. The minute you question it, then you're a bad person. With Santa, it's like, believe it, it's fun. Oh, you don't believe it anymore? And there's like this thing, I'm sure everyone's seen this meme, but there's this thing on the internet where they're like, oh, with this one family with their kids, when their kids figured it out, they were like, 
you know, what a Santa does, because you know you see the Santas at the mall, they're obviously not the real dude. Now, it's just sort of an idea of a way of being, a, a charitable act, so now we get to be, now you get to be a Santa too, and you get to be a Santa for someone else. Okay, but isn't the concept of Santa fundamentally super creepy? <laughs> I think you have to stop thinking about everything so hard. It's not about not questioning things. He watches you all the time. He gives you, you stuff when you're good. He stuff. comes into your house. You don't have to adhere to every single part of the trope of Santa. You can kind of take what you want and leave what you want. And I think that's what most people do. You know what I mean? I don't know anyone who ever got a lump of coal, even though they were probably bad once or twice in their <laughs> year. You know? I don't know. I'm going to have also, such a hard time. If she's like, Santa, I'm going to be like... Mm. You can have a hard time with something and still, like, swallow your preferences you know what I mean I don't think it's it's detrimental and I also I mean I don't intend to be one of those parents who's like if you don't eat your vegetables Santa will know all the time I'm not using it as like a behavioral modification tool and I'm not doing the fucking elf on the shelf that okay I don't so understand weird. how you because, can hate elf on the shelf but be okay with Santa because Santa is a tradition elf on the shelf is has been invented like since what in the last like 15 years Hallmark made it up. It's literally a Hallmark thing. So that's totally different to me. That's not a tradition. I mean, it might be another thing if every kid in her class is doing this stupid elf on the shelf thing. Maybe I would do it, but I don't like it. And it's not the same as Santa. There's like centuries of traditions with Santa. And sometimes traditions are just fun. Some things can just be a cultural thing that you do because it's fun. Not everything has to be like, is it every single thing I do completely in line with every belief I care about? Okay, so what if we end up, she gets to like seven, she gets to eight, she gets to nine, and she is still like Santa, Santa, Santa. I think that only happens if you are playing a hard game as a parent. We're not going to be doing that. We're going to be dropping hints like pretty early, I'm sure, or just getting sloppy or encouraging her to question it some parents don't let their kids question it and they they enforce it and they go to extreme lengths to make a kid believe i don't want to be one of those so i just want her to have a little bit of magic in her life for some but okay but for some for kids childhood. start asking questions early at what point do you start if she t- asks about like the chimney oh we don't have a chimney thing because we're not going you can to. approach that by saying i don't know i'm not sure what do you think he'll do and then if she's like, well, then I don't think he exists, then you're... You like, can believe okay. whatever you like. Well, that's kind of my take, where I feel like we should no, be like, you some don't... people believe in Santa. I don't, but you can if you want. I don't think you need to tell a child you don't believe in it. I think okay. you can just say, some people believe in it. Also, I want credit for the fucking gifts that I get her. I don't want to make stuff be from Santa and have her be like, oh, this is from Santa, and not say thank you to me. That bothers me. Because I've seen that with other kids, where they're like, oh, and they open this thing, and they're just like, hmm, hmm, hmm. Well, then the big good gifts will be from us, and Santa will be sort of like a mediocre gift. I'm okay with that. There you go. Santa's not a very good gift giver in our family. Yeah, fine. He can be like the guy that gets her socks and underwear. No. No. That's weird. (laughs) I heard it, and then I was like, no. (laughs) Okay, fine. Pajamas and, like, stocking stuff. Okay. How's that? Uh... You know, lots of families have to have this discussion. Do they? But everybody we talked to was like, Angie, you can't just like not let her have this fun thing. Because I was never bothered by the fact that I didn't believe in Santa. I don't remember. Of course you weren't because you don't know the difference. Because you don't know the difference. 
But I wasn't upset when I learned he wasn't real. I was like, oh, I was, it felt like being let in on a secret. Well, I wasn't upset that I never thought he was real. Okay, but you don't know what, the, what it's like to believe in him. And to believe in that, it's not just him. It's like the whole thing that comes with it. I remember being so excited about writing a letter of being like, hmm, this is the stuff that I really like. This is, and it's, it's not, I think there's things you can add to traditions to make them less about consumerism. But it's nice for kids to have a want and be able to express it. And writing those letters to Santa was fun. And then I remember having so much fun like making cookies with my mom because she'd be like, oh, these are going to be for Santa. We'll leave them out for him. And like before, and Santa can be like non-gendered if you like, that's better. I don't like, we can adapt it however we like, but putting out cookies and milk for Santa. And then we put out water and carrot sticks and celery sticks for the reindeer. I just, I, it was so much fun for me when I was a kid. And I really want Sterling to get to have that experience. Hmm. And I don't think it will hurt her in the long run because she's still going to have us as parents. She's still going to be a critical thinker, <laughs> whether she wants to be or not. <laughs> and you can, you know, you can help her figure it out without telling her. And that will actually foster more critical thinking. Well, okay. I still have to think about it. We still have a couple more years for me to come to terms with it. It just, it, it gives me like a physical reaction. I don't want her to When go- I see... Uh, not little kids. When they're like two or three, it's cute. And they're like, Santa, and they're like so enamored by him. Mm-hmm. But when they're like, when I feel like they're old enough to know. Like seven, eight. And maybe this is because I'm a total bitch. I judge them, and then I judge their parents. I'm like, you're making your kid be dumb. You're like dumbing them down. You're brainwashing them. Don't do that. Let them. I think there's a time for it. And I think that, you know, when they get older, it's a little like, why do you still believe in this? Why haven't you figured it out yet? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But I, I'm not, I don't really love the idea of going to get pictures with Santa. I think it's weird. I did it when I was a kid. And, you know, we also, because I grew up in Port Coquitlam and we would have breakfast, pancake breakfast with Santa. And we'd get all dressed up in our fanciest dresses and it was like yeah. super exciting. But Well, don't you think that's weird? Like, that seems weird. Going along with the creepy thing. Because that's is making literally your, just a random dude. Yeah. Making, <laughs> go sit on a random dude's lap. Making your daughter go and sit on this person's lap and then like forcing them to be okay with it when they're probably like, this is creepy. Yeah. I think we got to the bottom of the Santa issue. <laughs> right? Kind of. Well, we'll yeah. update you as she ages. Mm-hmm. <laughs> See how it goes. Assuming we'll be able to keep on top of our shit that long. Yeah. We had some messages from some listeners that Jackie will read. So, from Mary Jane, well, it worked. I'm pregnant. Just five weeks, so it's still so early. Just listened to your po- episode where you find out you're pregnant. <laughs> I just started thinking of that YouTube video. <laughs> There's this really funny YouTube video. I'll post it on the Facebook page. (laughs) You'll know what I'm talking about once you watch it. (laughs) Anyway. It's still so early. Just listen to your episode where you find out you're pregnant. Our stories are so similar. Also, exact same time of year. We found out on New Year's. Now my fingers are crossed for a healthy pregnancy. Such a nerve-wracking time. I went from being obsessed about conceiving to being obsessed about making through the first trimester. Oi. Anyway, I just wanted to let you guys know. Hope you are doing well and staying warm. Congratulations, Mary Jane. Congratulations. It is, God, it is such a relief when you finally do conceive, but yes, I totally empathize with that immediate shift of like, yay. Wait, what? Oh shit. Now we have something altogether different to worry about. Yeah, totally. You're not alone because a couple of our 
friends who are newly pregnant and have been just messaging us being like, oh, I'm nervous about this or I'm nervous about that. And it's like, yeah. you know, it's a nerve wracking thing. Yeah. It's hard. In the, the first trimester is so hard because a lot of the time you haven't told anybody and there's not a lot of signs that you're still pregnant. There's no way of like reassuring yourself like in the second trimester where you're like, oh yeah, I can feel the baby. You know, there's stuff going on. But in the first trimester, it's so new and little and, you know, you can't necessarily feel it for a lot of it, for most, for almost, for all of it, for most yeah. people. And it's, the funny thing is like, it's so tiny and it's so well protected, but you feel your most fragile. Yeah. Like, yeah. I felt, like, pretty good when she was bigger, and I could feel her moving around and stuff like that. And if you've never been pregnant, you don't know what to expect. Mm -hmm. So everything seems like it could be something. Like, every sign, every, you know, everything could be something good or bad. <laughs> it could be a yeah. sign of something. And if you Google normal, anything. Yeah. If you're, like, uh, third toe on my left foot itchy at nighttime pregnancy, and it would be, like, I had a miscarriage and I had an itch itchy toe. Yeah. So, anyway. I think Good luck with that. It'll yeah. get easier. Yeah. It'll totally get easier. And update us and let us know how it's going. Well, it'll get easier and it'll get harder. <laughs> In different ways. Yeah. yeah. It'll get easier to know that everything's okay, but it'll get harder because you're fucking pregnant and that's <laughs> a lot of stuff happening to your body at once. Okay, so I just went to feed the baby. And the worst thing in the world has happened. I feel like I should just be taken outside and shot. So what happened is a thing that will happen to every parent. You accidentally hurt your baby. I dropped my phone on her head. While you were feeding her. On her forehead. Yeah. I know it's hard and it hurts and, and it she sucks. she screamed She was not so happy. Loud. She wasn't really awake, so she wasn't... I think more than anything, she was probably scared because she that woke her up. And probably hurt. But it was the corner of it too. I'm I sure. know. But she's not concussed. She's not brain damaged. She will be fine. Oh my god. She is fine. I don't even think she yelled that loud when she got her shots. She didn't. This was different because this had the element of like shock and like what the fuck. She was asleep while it was happening, right? <laughs> anyway, I was waiting out here and I heard the screaming. I was like, "What the hell is going on?" So I went in and I looked and I was like, "I don't get it. I don't get it." And then she was like. You know, like, really upset, like, crying with real tears and, like, <laughs> kind of crying. I was like, what happened? And Andrew's like, I dropped my phone on her head. So I made you give her to me because I swear to you, this is a thing with all kids. It happened with you, so if you give her to someone else, it usually helps calm them down a bit quicker. Oh. I've found in my experience with my nieces and nephew and other kids I've been around. So oh my she God. calmed down a bit, and then you took her back, and you fed her, and you put her back to sleep, and she's fine. If she has a bruise tomorrow, I'm going to feel so awful. Kids get hurt. You have to accept that she's as a parent. She's not a kid. She's a baby. She's a baby. Babies get hurt. She will... More things will happen to her. Call protective services. Get her no. taken away. Nope. I think you're doing enough self-flagellation that it's not necessary for us to do that. Oh, my God. She's fine. All you other parents out there, I'm sure you know this. If it hasn't happened to you yet, it will. It's not because you're careless. It's because accidents happen. I normally... Don't hold your phone over her head. I don't. I, yeah. I hold it on the bed. Yeah. And I'm, like, looking at it, and it's behind her as she's, like, feeding. But I was, like, trying to type something. Yeah. And I was holding it up, and then it slipped out and knocked her in the head and went and made such a loud noise. Oh, my God. 
If she had some, like, massive damage going on, she'd still be upset. She wouldn't have been, like, consolable, you know? This is the danger of co-sleeping, dropping your phone on your kid's fucking no, face. No, the danger of being addicted to your fucking phone. No, well, you're lying in there for, like, sometimes I'm in there for an hour. You I'm just been gonna in there, stare into the darkness. You had been in there for five minutes, <laughs> so that argument does not stand. This is, you know, maybe you just don't need your phone all the time. I feel like you're right. I know you're right. Yeah. Anyways, that has nothing to do with what happened. It was an accident, and parents and children have accidents, and kids get hurt, and parents get hurt. Today, she shoved her finger so far up my nose, hard, and my nose bled. So, you know, maybe this is karma. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Fucking hell. But stuff happens, you know, and it's it sucks. It's so hard. I mean, a couple weeks ago when I was... Visiting one of our friends in the hospital. She was really upset and fussy because she was hungry and your appointment that you were at was taking a while. So I couldn't do anything for her, but I was trying to distract her and she was like kind of on my lap and was holding the side of the hospital bed and was like kind of jiggling it, I guess, or like she was sort of holding herself up against it. But then I guess she, her like arms gave out and her face smashed into the, the bar. Did she scream that loud? She was very upset. It wasn't quite that loud, no, but it was pretty loud and we were in a hospital ward so I was like ah because like she was hurt and it was loud there's all these sick people around it sucks I know how you feel it sucks you're just like oh my god I'm a terrible parent like that was she did that to herself she did but I'm supposed to be able to like know what's gonna happen (laughs) and protect her right like I shouldn't have been trusting her like tiny baby (laughs) arms would be able to hold up that massive head of hers (laughs) so anyway it sucks. It's a shitty thing to feel. It's a shitty thing to go through. But every parent inevitably, every parent, every person in a, you know, close relationship with a child will go through this. And it's so sucky. But they get over it. And then she's probably already over it. She won't remember it. She's fine. You're going to hold on to this for a long time. Well, we'll see if she gets into college. <laughs> she oh got, might have just been knocked out of her head. Oh. And we just started an RESP, so that's pointless. Yeah, we should probably cancel it. Yeah, an yeah. RESP is like a savings account for her education. Oh, okay, anyway. So looking back, she's five <laughs> months today. Uh-huh. Looking back, what was the hardest? What's easier now? I still worry about her constantly, but I worry less because she can hold up her own head. She's not going to suffocate, most likely. Those worries have kind of petered out. She's more engaging. She's a lot more fun. You can, like, I can, I know she needs me sometimes, and I know she, like, knows who I am, and she's excited to see me, whereas before she's just newborn. She's like, oh, it's a person, whatever. Yeah. You know, so I feel... I feel more connected to her. I feel more bonded to her. But there was a period of time when she was making strange with you. I don't know if she was making strange with you. It wasn't quite making strange. It was just just like she was very preferential to me. She did not want me to put her to sleep. She didn't really want me at all for a few days there. And I was heartbroken. Oh my God, that was hard. How old was she when that was happening? She was like three months. Yeah. And it was like... I think that's really normal, but it was really hard for me because I was already... I mean, I had September off with her, and then I was back to work for October, which was hard. But then, then I was then we were gone to Australia for November, so I had a lot of time with her. And then by by the time this started, it was like right when I was going back to work too, so I was missing her a lot. And then I'd come home, and she'd be like, "No, get away from me!" And I'd be like, "My baby doesn't love me anymore." And I'd be like, "I need you to take her," but she would just be so 
And then you felt guilty because you felt like you kept, and I kept telling you like, this is not your fault. This is just what happens with babies. And I know that because I've been around a lot of babies, but you kept apologizing to me. And then I'd be like, no, it's not your fault. Like it was, it was not a fun week. It was about a week. Like it kind of went on for a week, like certain things. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it, we were also both like, we need, like, we both need for me to be able to put her to sleep for naps or some something. Like she can't always just be attached to you. And I think at that point you were feeling really like kind of suffocated by her like you could never get away from her you could never have a moment to yourself so that was really hard I think that was probably the hardest other than right after she was born when you were still sick and there was like so many people who were both really overwhelmed and kind of stretched thin mm-hmm. um, I think that was probably the hardest yeah it was really difficult seeing you be so upset and just like handing her to you and then her face just being like start to cry just mm-hmm. being like no mm-hmm. this is your parent this is your mom because like, it's also stop. like it also touches on that, like, really sensitive thing where it's, like, she's not biologically mine. Other people might not think of her as mine. And what if she doesn't think of me as, like, that I'm hers and she's mine? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't know. It just is, like, always this... Because it's something that people say, like, oh, when you have your baby. things People keep saying that to me, and it really, really bothers me. Yeah, it should. Because I'm, like, that's... I know what people mean. They mean when I physically, biologically have a baby, it will be different. And I know that. I know that in my brain, that doesn't mean that it feels better. But I don't ever want anyone to say in front of my child that she's not mine. She's mine. Or insinuate that she's not. Yeah. Or that there's a difference. Like, there's a there's a difference experientially, and there's a difference in, like, the need that a child has for a parent who's, like, gestated them and who's breastfeeding them. Mm-hmm. And a parent, and consequentially also a parent who's staying home with them is a stay-at-home parent. And those def- aren't necessarily the same thing, right? If you were the one going back to work and I was staying home with her, she would need me differently than she needs you. Anyways, so I know that. But f- having someone say something like that is like, fuck you. Mm-hmm. Language is so important in this situation. Yeah, and it's really hard to... I, I don't want to f- like come across really militant, but it's it's necessary like this is one thing well I will never let go when somebody says when you have your baby or your baby what referring to Sterling as Angie's baby and whatever kid I have is my baby it's they are both yeah ours and someone said when are you gonna have a baby to yeah you? and I was like I already have one yeah she's right here I will also get pregnant with our next <laughs> child yeah. if that's what you mean it's it's just people don't think they just say it and it's like but you don't understand what that means and what that sounds like and what that will feel like for someone else to hear. And Sterling should never hear that, especially from her family. And also something that we have to, I think we should just like address it straight up. Just like sit our family down or when we have a chance and just be like, from now on, these are the things that you need to say. And these are the things you need to avoid to say. Don't call the donor dad. Mm -hmm. Don't refer to Sterling as my baby, unless it's like, you know, one-on-one, like, here's your baby, you know, Mm -hmm. not, don't be like, yeah, don't differentiate the way you refer to her yeah. in reference to you or yeah. me. If you need to, talk about how it'll be different when you're breastfeeding or it'll be different when you get pregnant. Yes. It'll be different when you stay at home because yeah. that's actually what you're talking about. It's yeah. not the baby because the baby is just as much yours mm-hmm. as it is mine. Mm-hmm. Yes, it, Sterling, it is mine. <laughs> well, we'll see. <laughs> she still has a choice. Yeah. Uh but yeah, that's a, it's a really hard one because... Because yeah. my brother today, he was over and he was like, does the biological dad know that he has a kid? 
And See, and at least, like, I think for your brother, that's really... I appreciated that he said biological dad. Because I think he's trying to differentiate it. Yeah. But I think it's just... It, it's not... And I don't think it comes from a malicious place. It's just a, a lack of knowledge about it. It's, like, legitimately ignorance of how to address this and what this might mean. Yeah. Which is fine. But I, the part I have a problem with is when I try and correct people if they get defensive. It's like, I'm not saying you're trying to hurt me. I'm instructing you how to talk about this so just take the lesson and say okay i get it Mm -hmm. instead of well no it is different i fucking know it's different you don't have to explain it to me i'm not an idiot i understand that when i have a baby growing inside of me and breastfeed it it will be different than the way i get to parent sterling yeah consequentially it will also be different for you but at that point i'm sure people won't be saying this to you because you won't be going through the same things because you already have had your experience with Sterling. So that has been annoying. Um, but I'm sure most people go through that. Yeah, but I would I would suggest, like, I kind of feel as though we should have had that conversation earlier. Before, yeah. So if you're planning on getting pregnant or you're pregnant, like... And you do have a close relationship with your family. Yeah, like, just sit down and be like, here's how you talk about it, because I think that they would actually appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't have a problem saying that. It's just, it sometimes feels condescending, and I don't want to be condescending, I just want to be instructive. Like, just so that we don't get into an awkward situation, here's how, the language we would like you to use. Mm -hmm. Because it's the best thing for Sterling, and that's the whole point. Yeah. And I don't want you to hurt my feelings unnecessarily, because I have them. (laughs) (laughs) What have you found to be the hardest? We were having some power struggles a couple months ago. Yeah. Of who who got to do what and we're kind of starting to butt heads a little bit and that was really difficult because I I think I was still feeling like I wanted to do everything Mm -hmm. and I wasn't creating space for you Mm -hmm. and I was very sort of like possessive and it was like right after we got back from Australia I think I was still like coming down from that whole thing so then I was like now it's my space I get to do everything and you kind of went into like lockdown power control mode and I was like nope you're not doing that and I don't think we really realized what we were feeling and what we were going through at the time. So we didn't really talk about it. It just sort of, we did, but had, it wasn't like, I think looking back, it was like a couple days, maybe a week. Mm-hmm. But then we were like, why are we doing this? What's happening? How are you feeling? How am I feeling? And then we kind of realized that like you were being a little too controlling and I was feeling insecure mm-hmm. because I'd had some kind of interactions with family about it. And like also there Still, and you had just gone back to work after we went to Australia, so yeah. you were missing her. And, and there were still things that she wouldn't let me do. Yeah. Napping was a big one. Like I, I, mm, Or maybe at that point was she starting? I think that was maybe around the same time she was starting to not let me put her to sleep, and that really was, was hard for me. So on top of that, having you kind of try not to let me do things, I was like, no, that's not happening. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, I miss her. And I was like, I've fucking been at work for four days. I miss her. You, It's okay for you to miss her. That doesn't mean you get to like deprive me of time with her. So that kind of, it was interesting. Looking back on that now, and I'm sure, you know, five months from now, I'll look back here and feel differently. But mm-hmm. I, now that I have like more clarity, how hormonal mm-hmm. I was like when we were in Australia and yeah. afterwards oh, yeah. still. Yeah. Because that's where it was coming from. It's yep. coming... You, it's it's totally like you have... It's like you're being controlled by something it else. It is. You it's don't like, have... remember that game we used to play called Limbo? And you'd get, like, a bug would jump on your head. Oh, and yes. it would make the, the thing 
the character. This is a video game, so it, it, it would like basically it was like a parasite would attach to you and make your character do things that you didn't have control, control over. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like you that's only walk one direction, are. so you had to figure out how to do the puzzle only going one direction. Yeah, yeah. So that's totally what it was like. It's like I was going one direction and even though like some sort of faint part of me was like, You're being crazy, let Jackie like change the baby or whatever it was, mm-hmm. it was just like, no. Mm-hmm. You need to do this. You are doing this. Mm-hmm. And I had that in Australia, and then I had that again when we, when we got back. I think because well, that, and I think some people don't have the same experience, but you have found when when so when your milk comes in initially, there's this massive surge of hormones, and that's when they say like new mothers will basically just cry for three days or be really angry or be just all over the place, um, and that happened. A couple times when Sterling was going through growth spurts and your supply was increasing, you went through the same kind of thing. Not everybody has that. Not everyone is as sensitive to it, I don't think. Yeah, and you were very affected by it, and it was it was tough. It was yeah. tough. I think in Australia it happened, and it made you just like clamp down and be like, nobody's holding my baby. I'm too like you were stressed out about it, and it's totally understandable as to why you felt like that. And then I think it happened again. I think it's happened twice since we've been back because remember how I was, I was sitting here and I was like, I'm feeling really weird and I'm feeling like disconnect. I'm feeling really lonely mm-hmm. and something in my brain is telling me to not talk about it with you. Mm-hmm. Remember how I said yeah. that? Yeah. Because I was like, I was feeling very weird and I was yeah. feeling very alone. You were getting like in your head and... Yeah. And I was like, so I felt like I, I needed to say that mm-hmm. but at the same time I was like don't tell Jackie that you feel that way she might start to think that you're like getting postpartum yeah. she might think that you had a lot of I think you had a lot I don't know if it was all hormones or if it was just like in general I think because you have like a history of depression in your family and you've struggled with depression anxiety peripherally I guess like I, well, I mean you have but it's not been like as massive as your mom's right your mom has like major depression yeah. and and I think you were really very afraid of getting postpartum mm-hmm. because it's because it's all I mean it's I don't think anybody wants it but you were like hyper aware of it so anything that was even sort of like that you get really sensitive about which I found really interesting but yeah I'm glad that you talked to me about it because the minute you did we were like okay we're gonna talk about this what's going on what's happening like is this hormones and I think it didn't last very long. No, because once your milk comes in, then it, then all the hormones kind of dissipate, and then you mm-hmm. feel normal again. And then it happened again. I remember I was sitting, nursing the baby, and I was just looking at my news feed, and I was, like, Googling Aleppo and what was going on there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I was, I had this moment, I was, like, looking around, and it's not that... Sorry, that sounded bad that I was laughing when you were talking about Aleppo, but I'll explain why. Um, and it's not that Aleppo isn't sad to, like, a normal person, but I was just I was obsessing about it and I was sitting here and it I was, was like, like Aleppo was all of your family or something like you yeah and I was like looking around and I felt so I had this moment of like kind of culture shock ishness of like looking around my apartment I'm sitting here with my brand new baby I have all this shit like what the fuck is all this shit when there's people with families who are just getting bombed and killed every fucking hour in Aleppo that entire area has been like exterminated much and i'm just sitting here like la 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 in my huge apartment in downtown vancouver with like meaningless shit like all my stuff around me was suddenly like meaningless yeah and you got really really into your head about that i did and then i started to be like we're in the hunger games (laughs) we're in the hunger games and we live in the capital this is what i was thinking we live in the capital we have fucking donald trump he's like this weird orange man who's like you know he's like president snow Mm -hmm. just 
being ridiculous and so over the top. Mm-hmm. We live in this utopia. Well, the Hunger I say Games, that compared to like Syria. Yeah. We live in this utopia. The Hunger Games is like a is an allegory. It's like a metaphor. For totally. Me. And Aleppo is like District Twelve. It's just getting bombed. But what we see and what we get filtered through is that it's because they're terrorists and they're refugees and they're terrible and they want to come and kill us. Yeah. All those children and women, they want to kill us. I mean, not that women can't want to exactly. kill us. It's the like, exact same thing that happened yeah. in Mockingjay mm-hmm. when they're like, we need to bomb this uh, this area where there's a lot of rebels, like a bunch of rebels, but it was really a hospital full of women and children. Mm-hmm. And Katniss like loses her shit. Anyway, so I was sitting there all morning just thinking about how we're in the Hunger Games. And, then, and I was sleeping after a night shift and she literally comes in and is like, we need to talk about Aleppo. It's like the first thing she says to me when I'm like barely awake. I was like, um, okay, what's going on? And actually it was good because we did talk about it and we, you cried and you were like, it's so unfair. It's so awful. And then we decided that we were going to integrate that because that was something that was really horrible. It still is really horrible into Sterling's Christmas by donating in her name to the white helmets. And that was cool because then we had a discussion about a family tradition that we're going to have for Christmas so that our children don't think Christmas is all about getting stuff. We want them to think about other people, think globally, think generously. Yeah, Um, think like it's Christmas somewhere else in the world and a child might not be getting presents. You know, just, just something so that... Every year we focus on other people too, not just on ourselves and yeah. what we're all going to get. So and we decide that as she gets older, she's going to get to choose. So one year she could be like, I want to help elephants. The next year she can want to help kids in Syria or whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. And so your hormones turned in, you know, your hormonal sort of like overly emotional, sensitive mm-hmm. state helped us develop a good tradition. Yeah. But then the next day or like the following couple days once my hormones leveled off <laughs> regulated yeah <laughs> i like it's still fucking horrible but i don't feel as like i need to drop everything i can't live in this house anymore because like, it's, like she was fully a disgusting like, yeah symbol of our ignorance of what's happening in other countries mm-hmm. and all this crazy shit you were being a bit of a martyr <laughs> i was I, it was yeah yeah anyway so if you're pregnant <laughs> be ready for that And I think it's really important actually to kind of know what's coming because not everyone's going to have the same reaction, but the fact that there's potential for that, it's good to know and make sure that the people around you know that so that you're, you know, well cared for and protected in those moments because it can be really scary and you're so vulnerable, you're so sleep deprived, everything's so new, you just are, it's such an overwhelming time. I, I still think some of the highest highs and lowest lows of my entire life have happened, happened in that like first month. Of when Sterling was born? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I've never been so full of joy and then also, like, sobbing and, like, feeling like I had nothing left to give in <laughs> one day. You're kind of bipolar for that. Like, it's just, it's a lot. And I feel like maybe I said this before, after, like, in some of the podcasts, but just, since Sterling's birth, but, like, give yourself some time with you and your partner or you and whoever you have in your family or if it's just you, just give yourself some time to adjust to having a new baby before you welcome the fucking world to come visit you. It is so overwhelming. And I really wish we had given ourselves a couple more days. 
I just read an article. Actually, I didn't read it. I'm lying. I read the title of an article and I was like, oh yeah, I totally agree with that, but I didn't actually open it. How often do you do that? <laughs> I have been trying to be like, this is ridiculous. I'm not reposting something I didn't actually read because what if it doesn't say what I think it says inside the article? What if the title is misleading? So, but yes, I do. I have also done that many times. Anyway, the title of this article was the best thing that I ever did for myself was uh, not invite visitors after I gave birth. And the best way to do that is to just not tell anybody you gave birth. Like, maybe not nobody, but, like, for us, it probably would have been best if we had only told, like, a couple people. It's hard because, you know, you tell one person, like, your mom, and then all of a sudden everyone in your family is obviously going to have to know as well. But um, mm -hmm. sometimes you just really need a bubble. You need a couple days. You need a, a week. You need whatever you need, you know? And mm -hmm. we will... <laughs> probably do things differently when we have our next baby yeah oh um, but talking about feeling vulnerable something happened to me that terrified me oh yeah i think i have like a little bit of ptsd to be honest because it's like i don't blame you that it's oh. come back to freak me out a couple times so i was lying in bed i've been dealing with um i have a slip disc in my back which we could talk a whole podcast about but anyway what it's doing is it's <laughs> maybe we will if we ever get around to it <laughs> it's a herniated disc that is bulging out pressing on my l5 s1 nerve so it's actually impacting my ability to lift my heel off the ground so what i'm doing is i'm like limping i can't run it's causing some numbness in her foot mm -hmm. um lots of muscular issues because the signals aren't getting through so what that means is that her muscles aren't being told to relax so it's just all fucking she's a mess yeah so, I've been dealing with that. I can't get around as, as easily. So, I'm in bed. It's really fucking hot in our room. So hang I'm like, on, hang on. On top of that, we also have exterior construction on our building happening, which means there's, there's scaffolding that is wrapped in green plastic or whatever, and they've also removed our windows that have been boarded up. So, now Angie is... It's winter... She doesn't have the car when I'm at work. She's not very mobile. And it's fucking dark in here. It's a cave in this place. Yeah, so, and the scaffolding comes right up level with our window. So when the construction guys are working on it, before they took out our windows, I could see them walking by. Mm -hmm. And we're not, like, at ground level. We're a little bit up off of ground level. And it also feels a little unsafe. Like, it feels like a homeless uh, We live in a part of town where there's, there's homeless people in Vancouver, especially downtown Vancouver, and... You know, not to be, well, I'm, it's not a stereotype, it's a fucking fact that people who are low income are often like that because they're drug addicts, and when you're a drug addict, you need to do things that are criminal to get money for drugs. It feels more vulnerable because of that as well, because somebody could break into the scaffolding area, it's been very cold, maybe they want to sleep there, and maybe they want to try and break in through our boarded up windows. It doesn't feel that safe here, mm -hmm. right now. So, I'm in bed, totally dead asleep with the baby. And I'm at work. Jackie's at I'm work. I'm not home. I'm all by myself. It's one in the morning, and I hear the loudest banging on my window, and it's like bang, 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 bang. And I like wake up and shocked. It's one in the morning. Yeah, and I I reach for my phone and I like clutch it to my chest and I freeze because I'm like, what can I do? I'm immediately thinking someone's trying to get into my apartment. I can't run. I have a baby that's sleeping next to me. I'm not wearing pants. <laughs> I'm not wearing pants. Where am I supposed to go? And then I'm thinking about the scaffolding. I'm like, okay, probably what's happening is someone's 
checking to see if there's anyone in this apartment so that they can break in. And then you also saw flashlights yeah, going so up around the windows. I just started to like open the blinds a little bit to let some light in. Um, at night. Not at night. Yeah. So that I can like see the baby so when I'm feeding her I'm not just like poking around in darkness. And so I was worried that they could see in and they saw me. Because there's a light on the out, like our apartment is right next to the front door yeah. and there's a, an exterior light right outside of our window. Yeah, so I was like, oh my god, did they see me? Have they been watching me? Did they like look in and see me and see that I was sleeping and like bang on the window to wake me up to like play a funny joke or like, and I look through the slats. I don't get out of bed, but I can see that someone has a flashlight and they're like flashing it through the other windows of our apartment into our, like our dining room and our living room. And I didn't know what to do. And I was just so fucking terrified. And my heart is like pounding out of my chest. And I finally like actually look at my phone and I see that Jackie is like online. So I call her because I was like, I don't know what to do. And I don't know. Now looking back at it, I should have just called 911. Yeah. So she calls me and tells me what happened. And I'm like, call 911. She's like, really? I'm like, yes. She's like, seriously? I'm like, hang up and call 911. So she does. So I called and they're like, oh, we have... um I think it was a police officer. Let me just check. Oh, yeah, we have police. They're trying to gain access to the building. Uh, sorry about that. And I was like, why wouldn't they tell you who they are? Why wouldn't they bang on the window and say, it's the police. Can you let us in? Yeah. Instead of terrifying a woman and her baby, waking the baby up, Ange was terrified and wired. Yeah. I was so scared. So scared. Mm-hmm. So then I couldn't get back to sleep for hours and the baby woke up. So I had to put her back to sleep and then just try and get back to sleep myself and like calm down my my physiology. Yeah, because you totally, your body was in fight or flight mode. However, your body went into freeze mode, which I don't like. When something happens and you're scared, you have to do something. You can't just do nothing. I know, but that's the first time that something that terrifying has happened since yeah. you had the baby. Yeah. So I didn't... I think, I don't know but, what I would have done. But what if they there. actually had been breaking in? You would have just let it happen? Right? So know. you have to, like, be able to snap out of it and be like, call somebody, get some help, make sure you know what's going on. And I think a lot of people will think, oh, well, I don't know if there's something actually happening. That's fine. Let I know, the that's police the figure it out. I think that part of me thought maybe, like I said, like someone was trying to be, like, fucking teenage kids or whatever, banging on windows. Even if it funny. is, the police still should come and be like, hey, fuck you, don't do that to people. Mm-hmm. right maybe not fuck you but you know whatever they want to say oh, but I think you should call the police and be like I just this was really upsetting for me I'm glad you guys told me it was the police but if they're going to be knocking on someone's window in the middle of the night they should have to they should announce themselves so as not to terrify innocent citizens I really think you should complain about it well I don't know Whatever. It would be a good reminder because sometimes they're so, I would imagine, they're so focused on what they're trying to do. They're not thinking about like, hey, this is going to scare people. Hey, this is going to have repercussions outside of... I think what they thought is because we're right next to the entrance that we were like the manager suite. I think this used to actually be the manager suite. Yeah. But it doesn't matter. <laughs> the manager still doesn't need to be scared <laughs> half out of their mind. They would still need to know it's the police, right? Yeah. So... That was, um... Well, this great. made me also realize I think we need a weapon for the bedroom. <laughs> I like a bat or a crossbow. <laughs> a crossbow? Maybe some sort of, like, Molotov cocktail waiting to 
be to lit. Go. Yeah. I think a bat would probably be fine. Yeah. A bat. Yeah, like maybe a steel bat. I feel like this has just been all over the place, but, you know, it's been a couple months. And I'm really sorry. I feel bad that we've been such bad podcasters, but... Um, and we could talk about Trump, but you guys probably need a break from him, because I do, too. I do, too. But, fuck. That's all I'm going to say. I'm going to say, fuck you, Donald Trump. Fuck you. I'm no not. wall. No ban. No Cheeto face. <laughs> no no belligerent bigoted, misogynistic, xenophobic, privileged assaulter of women. Yeah. Yeah, I can't talk about it anymore. I can't. I'm going to try and make it, make us do this more often. Mm-hmm. I told Ange to schedule it on our calendar, and then we will do it. Yeah. Also, one more thing that I think is a good thing to consider. But what if the baby's brain is bleeding? Babe, she's fine. Are you sure? She's totally fine. She's totally fine, Angie. She's totally fine. Okay? Look at her. She's sleeping soundly. She's been moving. She's not concussed. It's, it's, it's not that heavy. She's on really, a tiny paper thin skull? She's not. Her skull is not paper thin. Didn't do it on purpose. Feel less. I don't need to feel it. No, I'm good. Hit yourself with the No, phone. I'm fine. Hit yourself with I already it. had a bloody nose today, so I'm good for injuries. Oh, no, just do that. No, no, no please. No. Oh, my God. I shouldn't have done that because now I realized it was, like, so painful. Kate, when you were a kid, you probably did stuff that hurt and you survived. Kids are not that breakable. Actually, they're less breakable at this age because their bones aren't that fused, so. That's good. She's fine. You didn't drop it in her fontanelle, did you? <laughs> no, you didn't. She's fine. That's why we have skulls. But feel this. No. <laughs> you cannot hit Please. me in the head with your phone. Can you do it yourself? No. It is not going to change a thing. Speaking of phone use, we have started to have one day during my set of days off, which is four days, where we have no phones. Angie has not actually completed a full day without using her phone yet, but I believe in you. <laughs> It's a good thing. It's honestly really good for you to just unplug, especially now, especially now. It's good to be informed, but it's also good to just have a little bit of peace. And this has been really good for me. I think it's good for you too, even though you suck at doing it. So I recommend it to all of you. We should probably do ours right now for the rest of the day. No. There's three hours left. <laughs> no, that does not count. <laughs> See, she's always trying to wheedle her way out of it. I no. guess it's going to have to be tomorrow. Okay. Because Sunday we're going to a no ban, no wall protest. So it'd be really hard not to use our phone that day. I just need to know what fucking Donald you Trump don't is doing. You don't need to all the time, though. Because you, you, can, you can know for sure it's bad. You can know for sure he's not doing things that are good for the, for the world. But hearing it 800 times in a week, it's just bad for your brain. Mm -hmm. And it's also really not good for you. It's not healthy to be that connected all the time. It's good to just unplug and be like, hey, because honestly, even tonight, you were making dinner and I was sitting there, I put Sterling in her little extra saucer. Some call it a circle of neglect. I call it the circle of sanity. Get one. And I was just staring at my phone and I finally looked up and I was like, hey, hey baby, <laughs> do you want some attention? I mean, it's good. It's good for babies to have some time by themselves to play too. Like, not, she wasn't alone. She was sitting right in front of me. But I was completely disconnected. I had mm -hmm. no idea. I was like not in the room anymore. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? 
She was fine, but I after that I was like, oh shit, I'm a terrible mom. I could have been like... Oh yeah, did you drop your phone on her face? No, but I let my phone be a barrier between me and her. I could have been more connected to her. So, that's... I need to go cuddle her and make sure she's okay. Don't you fucking dare. She's sleeping. You are not going to wake her up to make yourself feel better. That's another thing a parent has to do. You have to forgive yourself and you have to get over yourself. All right, listeners. Thanks for listening and coming back even though we abandoned you for so long. Um, We're going to try and do better. Yeah, we say that every time. I know. But just know that we haven't forgotten about you guys. No, and we feel guilty all the time. (laughs) Does that help? (laughs) I'll drop a phone on your face if it will make you feel better. (laughs) Okay, love you. Love you. Yeah, I love I love our listeners. That's awfully Especially intimate. you. You know who you are. <laughs> Let's just not do the podcast at all. <laughs> the Baby Mama's Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Baby Mama's Podcast. Make sure to like them on Facebook and give them a great review on iTunes. Have a good day.